it's interesting. We found out a lot of people, they don't actually know what their customers want. You know, I'm, I'm sure you had other speakers talking about this as well. Do you really need next day and same day? Um, or does the customer just wants to have confidence in the exact day of the delivery so they can plan their life? Um, and are customers really happy with like you having 15 different carriers or do they actually just prefer one specific brand or because they have a parcel lock around the corner? So I think on the second element, um, brands are now learning to ask their customers, but that's also one element of our product offering where basically when a parcel is delivered, let's not just ask, hey, how did you like your product? Let's also ask about how did you like the delivery? Was it on time? Was it the right time? You know, was it the right person? Was it the right pickup location? Um, and then merchants can truly use this new insights to then craft the right experience. You're listening to Transform Talks, the podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. I'm very excited about today's episode. I have wanted to get this week's guest on the show for some time now, and I'm delighted that we finally were able to sit down together. After all, it's not every day that I get to speak to a woman working in supply chain, let alone one who, like me, also has her own podcast. Donna van der Heide is one of the leading figures in logistics and technology space. After a number of years helping iconic brands such as DHL and Alibaba deliver on strategic transformational projects, Donna decided to launch her own SaaS business. In 2016, she co-founded Parcel Perform, which now offers one of the very best delivery experience platforms on the market. Alongside her role as COO, Donna also finds time to co-host the Logistics Tribe podcast. It's a show that looks into global logistics and supply chain management. Throughout the episode, I go on to discover what attracted Donna to supply chain, the inspiration behind launching Parcel Perform, and what the future holds for the company. During our conversation, Donna also goes on to share her thoughts on why diversity and inclusion will be fundamental to safeguarding the future of the supply chain. Hi, Donna. Welcome to Transform Talks. Hi, Maria. Thanks so much for having me. So you know what? I have been looking forward to speaking with you. You and I have been trying to schedule this podcast for some time, so I'm actually so excited that you're here and I've got a lot of questions for you. But you know what? The first question I think I'm going to ask you, because I'm very curious about this when I talk to people, how did you get into supply chain? That's a very good question. I'm going to be very honest on this one by accident. So if you... <laughs> If you look uh, at what I studied back then, uh, I said psychology and communication science and politics. So I certainly didn't have an attention to end up in supply chain, um, but I got lucky, I would say. Um, I happened to meet um, the head of communication of DHL when I was studying and he gave a class and I was really fascinated because back at the time they were doing corporate social responsibility. Um, and uh, I was really intrigued. I mean, obviously, a lot of like the carbon uh, emissions, carbon accounting are with the big logistics giants and they wanted to change it. So I was like, OK, uh, let me let me have a listen to that. And then I became hooked, so to say. So I started my career in DHL um, kind of 
Uh, luckily for me, I was able to be quite flexible because I joined like a trainee program. So they let me basically look at all aspects of the business, which I think for me was key because it allowed me to really understand what's the part exactly in logistics that, uh, you know, really intrigues me the most. And I ended up being uh, in last mile and visibility around last mile. Um, and I wouldn't have gotten there without like the corporate experience. So by accident, um, but now I'm hooked and I would say I'm a logistics nerd now. So I'm definitely going to stay in the industry. You know, you're not unusual. Most people that I speak with tell me that they kind of fell into it by accident as well and not on purpose. It's not like they were someday walking around in junior school or something saying, I want to be in supply chain and logistics. Um, it is fascinating and cap captured the fascination of a lot of people. Now, I, I want to ask you about Parcel Perform because you started that in 2016, didn't you? And and man, I got to tell you, 2016 seems like a lifetime ago right now in terms of what's happened in the world. So so uh, I guess maybe what led you to get into that, into the space? And more importantly, how has the world changed for you since then? Yeah, no, I know. Thanks for asking. So back then, 2016, I was in my corporate job, like I mentioned before, and I realized one thing. As much as logistics is good in uh, making the world go around and moving things from A to B, they are not necessarily very customer focused. And when I say customer focused, I noticed especially the gap in the e-commerce industry. And back then I was in Asia. We founded Parcel Performance Singapore in 2016. I was living there for actually uh, overall about seven and a half years. I moved back to Berlin one and a half years ago. But we realized one thing, you know, if you want to take a last mile, especially in Southeast Asia, you have to work with as many carriers as possible. Everything is going cross-border and there's no standard when it comes to delivery tracking. So throughout the world, you know, there's so many standards for everything, but when it comes to last mile data, telling you where the parcel is, what location, what's the latest event, what timestamp, there was no standardization. So a lot of e-commerce merchants were very frustrated because they had to integrate with all the big logistics giants and the small ones. Um, and uh, they had to figure out, first of all, the booking integration, right, to get a label. And that sometimes can take weeks, if not months, if you're unlucky. And then the second thing you do is to get the track and trace data back. But even if you manage to get it back from an IT standpoint, then how do you make it work for yourself? So interestingly enough, that problem still exists. Good for us at Parcel Perform, but the problem was huge back then in, in Asia, high growth e-commerce, everyone needs to move fast. And if you don't have this sorted out, then you can't grow your e-commerce business. So the pain is real, still is. Um, and, and that was the key motivation for us to start Parcel Perform. I was going to say that hasn't changed. Like, like you say, that, that, that one constant, I mean, everybody's looking for that end-to-end -end visibility. And uh, I guess it, it's all about resilience and risk mitigation these days, isn't it? So uh, talk to me about Parcel Perform and, and, and what you do to help leaders uh, help mitigate their risks, especially with the changing world that we've got right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think the baseline of everything we're doing at Parcel Perform is getting the data right. So we're first and foremost a data company. That's why I like to say we're the nerds out there. Because what we do is we aggregate track and trace data across now almost a thousand different last mile carriers on a global basis. Because the promise that we want to give to everyone is no matter where you're shipping to, um, you need to have the right data fundament to work with this data. And that's obviously uh, you know, a good first step. Uh, but like you said, right, the world is changing. Now there's a lot of different motivation on what to do with this data. And I think from from our perspective, there's probably like two key themes. Uh, the first one is 
if you're a merchant, you're trying to drive customer acquisition, but it's becoming really, really expensive, uh, right? Like all the ad costs for customer acquisition are going through the roof, TikTok, Facebook, and so on. So you have to try even harder now to drive customer retention. So what can you do uh, to use logistics data, in this case, um, the last slot, like last mile, to actually retain customers? And, and that's a core part of what we do at Faster Perform because we have all the streamlined data and we can then help everyone to make it visible to either, of course, the internal teams, but more importantly, in this case, also to the end consumers. We integrate it in their own website. We send much more intuitive, fully branded uh, notifications. And the last thing that in, in this area that we're super excited about is we are finally able to tell people when their parcel arrives. Um, and everyone knows this now from Amazon. So if we think about market trends, right, there's a few really big dominant players now that are setting a new standard also when it comes to last mile. And one of the new standards is to tell people when their parcel arrives at checkout. But it's really damn hard for anyone that is shipping because it's not in your control, right? So someone checks out, then your warehouse takes over, and then finally you get like an EDD from the carrier. And But thanks to the data fundament that we have, we now developed a machine learning algorithm that can predict very accurately when a parcel arrives. And that makes a huge difference for checkout conversion rates. So our ambition is to really make every order count, right? Um, so if you have an opportunity to use this shipment, this order as a contact point for getting customers back to your website, then let's do that. Let's not leave it to the carriers, but give them really, really good experience like they learned it from Amazon. I think for, for us, that's like one of the key areas. Um, but the other one, and I think you also mentioned it, right? is uh, margins are getting tight. Logistics is getting increasingly expensive if we think about the fuel prices, the labor shortage. So a lot of the increased last mile cost is eating into everyone's margin. So how can we help shippers to make sure that they pick the right setup, not just to make their customers happy, but also to manage their cost um, and to, with that, hopefully be able to increase their margins. So. What we're doing is we're not just updating the customers, but we're giving the shippers the internal tools to basically measure logistics performance. You know, what's the actual issues that you have? Maybe it's not just the carrier that is not on time. Maybe your warehouse is late. So we have a lot of um, things that, for example, that we call like SLA compliance, where you then can measure all the different deltas in your supply chain from order creation to warehousing, pick and packing to last mile, and then also see the end-to-end -end thing. Um, to make sure that you optimize this and then best case you can go back to your carriers and truly negotiate a good deal that fits your business but for that you also need that internal visibility you know there's you, i'm going to try to unpack everything you said because there's a lot here there's a lot of really cool stuff first of all i love the fact that you're you call yourself a data business uh that you're the geeks the nerds out there i love that i love that fact i think it's important to be so data driven and proud of it you know, that, 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 that's, that's one thing that I think is pretty important to, to note. The second thing I think is important is the whole visibility element. Um, and, and I've got the question that I'm going to ask now is, is around innovation, you know, all, all the changes in this that, that we've seen in e-commerce that are going, taking us in this direction. Do you think it's driven by the consumer or do you think it's driven by innovative companies like Amazon changing the game or is it by a bit of both? I think the right answer is a bit of both. So it, it really depends, uh, you know, what are like the, the more obvious or kind of the more pressing matters, right? If you operate in a country 
That's why it sounded to Poland in Germany, right? Like Amazon entered the market and all of a sudden everyone expects things to be delivered next day. That wasn't the case beforehand. And people got really used to like full transparency. Same in Singapore and so many other markets, obviously also in the US. So there's a huge push by a new solution in the market um, that then forces everyone to follow up on that. I think that's one. At the second uh, step, we also see what's happening now, right? Like uh, budgets are tighter, not just for the merchants, but specifically for the buyers. So for anyone that wants to shop online, if we, let's hope not, but indeed kind of go into the next recession, uh, huge inflation, people have a lot less readiness to spend. So what do you do um, to make sure that you differentiate yourself in the market and build trust and loyalty with these end consumers? And it's interesting, we found out a lot of people, they don't actually know what their customers want. You know, I'm, I'm sure you had other speakers talking about this as well. Do you really need next day and same day? Um, or does the customer just wants to have confidence in the exact day of the delivery so they can plan their life? Um, and are customers really happy with like you having 15 different carriers or do they actually just prefer one specific brand or because they have a parcel locker around the corner? So I think on the second element, um, brands are now learning to ask their customers, but that's also one element of our product offering where basically when a parcel is delivered, let's not just ask, hey, how did you like your product? Let's also ask about how did you like the delivery? Was it on time? Was it the right time? You know, was it the right person? Was it the right pickup location? Um, and then merchants can truly use this new insights to then craft the right experience. Um, but I think a lot of people don't know yet. So uh, probably the external market forces of Amazon and the likes is stronger for now. Um, but I see the next few months that uh, things will be changing and we have to listen a lot closer to what the end consumer wants as well. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if we're going to talk about, say, sustainability, you know, I mean, I, uh, look at what Amazon did with allowing you to buy on a specific or get your products delivered on a specific Amazon day so that you're not getting the Amazon person coming in every five five seconds delivering something because they're not connected sometimes, right? So you buy something and it comes from one warehouse and it buys from another. So I think if you're going to want to do something sustainable for the planet, then like you said, I, again, I thought that was very interesting. It's not just about next day delivery. It's about having the confidence to know when your item is going to be delivered. That that I think is very important. Do you, do you think that sustainability plays a big factor in a lot of the de decisions that people are making with regards to last mile delivery? I hope it does, but I think uh, we are not yet there. I, I, you know, it's the little things, right? Don't we all get like shipments and they have a return label in there? It's so inefficient. First of all, there's a lot of unnecessary paper to be printed. Second of all, there's a lot of like uh, parcels that are pre-alerted with the last mile carrier that don't even have any intention of being returned. And it's, it's just not state of the art anymore. So it's the small things like, you know, having a much better return process, for example, knowing what's coming back, you know, creating QR codes instead of all this uh, printed out labels. I think there's so much that we can do. And then stuff like you said, right, like let's aggregate orders, you know, maybe also I think there's a big push for, for merchants to, to think about um, whether to, to uh, make returns paid again. So people don't feel um, like it's a complete commodity and they don't think about the sustainable um, aspect and the CO2 footprint there. So there's certainly a lot of things that still need to be done. Okay, so I want to turn the episode now a little bit to something different because you, my friend, are also a podcast host, are you not? 
so I find it very exciting to interview people that are also podcasters because it's a crazy world that we live in in podcasting. You got to be made of sort of the right stuff, right? To, to, to. I find myself that I feel that I'm very lucky because I get to interview people from so many different backgrounds, right? So I want to ask you, you know, if you think about your recent interviews or perhaps all the interviews you've done, what would you say is the most fascinating thing you've recently heard? Yeah, very good one. So maybe just quickly also on the background for the podcast. So, you know, like we obviously are very fortunate to females talking about logistics. I think that's already special. So thanks for making that happen. Uh, already that's pretty cool. Exactly. And, you know, like I moved back to Germany um, one and a half years ago. And one thing that really I found super stunning is there was a lot of German content on like logistics. And that kind of stems from this old white male, everyone is German in this industry approach. And then I said, look, like, let's look at all the e-commerce merchants out there that deal with logistics every day. And they're an international crowd, right? Male, female, but dominantly also English speaking. So we need to orient it kind of content to where the future of decision makers are. And hopefully there's even more young people coming into the industry. So that certainly was a big motivation to um, kind of launch a podcast where you hear my German accent, but I'm still going to do it in English to get the content out there. Lots of in the, really, really interesting things. I mean, uh, I think one of the things is not out yet, um, but like uh, I just went to a conference and I met uh, Nico Rosberg. He's the, uh, you know, Formula One uh, world champion in there. And we also spoke to him. Um, and it's interesting because he doesn't really invest so much in logistics yet. And if he invests, he uh, actually invests in the physical assets. So drones, for example, or, you know, like bicycle delivery. Um, and that's probably coming from his personal personal passion. But I think what I find super interesting is to hear also the new investment hypothesis on logistics companies, because for the longest time, it's all been about growth, right? And don't get me wrong, I love growth. We optimized our company for it as well. But I think now we're entering like a very new environment where, you know, budgets and obviously investments are a lot tighter. And we burned a lot of money in the last six years, which was great for everyone, maybe uh, not for everyone, but um, it, it helped a lot of businesses to get really, really big and have insane valuations. I think the most interesting thing I, I'm hearing now from a lot of investors is let's turn it around now. Let's focus on profitability. And that's obviously very hard in the logistics industry, not just for asset heavy, but even for asset light businesses, software a little bit easier than others. But I think that's going to really, really change the industry. and. Um, a lot of people say, you know, oh, that's a bad thing. And, you know, all founders are going to have so many problems. Not sure if I agree, because it's going to make everyone a little bit more creative and a little bit more conscious. I think, um, yeah, more sustainable in a way, and not just on logistics, but also on how you grow and, and scale your business. So I'm actually quite curious what the next few weeks and months will bring. I'm quite excited about it. We will see a lot of new business models. And that's the opportunity here. You know, that really is, if you think about all the, uh, the the challenges that we're facing right now, if you look at the silver lining is the possibility of opportunities, right? Which is to hopefully emerge out of this with more sustainable, more robust business models, uh, more diverse and inclusive teams. I mean, I know that's a passion for you. It's a passion for me. Here we are, like you pointed out, to women podcasters in the supply chain and logistics world. Uh, you don't get many of them. So I, I want to turn to that now. Um what 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 are you doing with regards to diversity, equity, and inclusion? You know, uh, be, aside from hosting an amazingly uh, great podcast, but 
Uh, is that something that you see creeping into becoming a necessity for anyone working in supply chain and logistics? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you know, I'm still surprised sometimes that's even still a debate. So I'm an avid believer in diversity, of course. It, you know, it's one of my personal priorities to show the world that we can do it. Uh, and I think that's that's the interesting notion. You know, when we started Passive Perform, a lot of people said, "Oh, great, you have like a 50-50 kind of male and female founder and co-founder and, and our CEO." Um, but I kept thinking, you know, actually it's it's possible to have a really diverse company in logistics and find more nerds like myself and female and from all sort of backgrounds and ethnicities um, to, to have passion for what we're doing. So we're quite proud of it. And we managed to build a company now where I think we have like over 20 different nationalities, 16 different languages that we are speaking. And I always say, obviously, you know, like we're optimizing for 50% female if we can, you know, we, you cannot um, put it at the risk to not be fair to everyone, but we managed to do so some offices more than others, obviously, depending on the function that we're in, but we are truly a diverse team and uh, I would uh, never give up on that because uh, I feel everyone that has the opportunity to build their own teams should be a role model and show the world that it's possible you know if you really put your mind to it and it's actually not that hard uh, everyone's looking at me and say wow how did you do it i don't think it's that hard you just have to find uh, people that are passionate and you know excite them about what you're doing and then you will always find um, kind of diverse teams but you you really got to try yeah you know um, this week we held was it this week or next last week you know uh can't remember, but it was uh, we held an event on operationalizing sustainability. And time and time again, all I kept hearing about was the stumbling block of people. It wasn't so much the tech couldn't keep up or that uh, uh, the processes couldn't keep up. It was just how do you take people with you? How do you hire people? And how do you, you know, it, it was just all around people, people, people and management. Yes, there were also other implications like financial implications, right? Uh, supply chain logistics being such a cost-driven uh, center of, a, of an organization. But what came out of it is is people aren't dumb, right? You know, people aren't dumb. If you show them that there's a purpose to what you're doing, then they're going to get on board with it. So I think what you say is absolutely true. If you can find purpose within your supply chain and your logistics, you will naturally bring in more diverse talent, Right. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, like finding purpose and passion is one thing. But also, again, it's the small things, right? Like fix your recruiting process. I think we all know this picture where like 10 guys sit on one side of the table and one female on the other and they ask her, what can you bring to the team? If you are JDs, you know, uh, say you have to have 15 years of experience in supply chain, you're not going to get like young uh, people from like diverse background that bring entirely different experiences. And if all of your recruiters are guys, uh, you know, preferably white uh, male in like their 60s, you're not going to attract females that find like, uh, you know, like th this is a perfect place to like accelerate their career. So it's also the small things that we got to fix to to make this truly um, inspiring. It's also universities, by the way. I mean, if we look at what they're teaching about supply chain, uh, and there's certainly a lot of great courses out there, but like a lot of them are also kind of outdated, right? Like supply chain is done very differently now. There's a lot of tech products. If we would start teaching that, then also a lot more younger people would be excited about it early on, I think. 
oh, you've, you've tapped into something I'm very passionate about, which is to be, I believe that supply chain has an image issue. I think we're doing a lot more to fix it these days, but it is not that sort of back office, dark warehouse trucking uh, business that people think it is. It is a business that can actually change the world. Uh, and I think if we ex use that language, we will attract the right type of people. And, and I need, I think we need it. I think we need it. Look at the state of the economy. Look at the state of the geopolitics and, and the problems that we're facing these days need diverse thinking. 100%. And I think also the importance of supply chain to make the world go round. I think, you know, there were bad examples of what went wrong and why people are not getting their stuff on time. But I think now people understand a lot better. So let's use this as an opportunity to show, hey, obviously everything is depending on supply chain. Let's turn it around and I'll show how exciting it can be to fix it. So tell me what's next for you. What's next for Parcel Perform? What's next for you, for the Logistics Tribe, your podcast? What's what's exciting? What's coming up? Yeah, there's always so much stuff you can do. I wish I also had more time to do even more sessions. There's certainly a lot of super cool people out there that I would love to interview. So if anyone hears this, I think Maria and I are always keen to have like more fascinating people from the industry. Um, what's in for Parcel Perform? We are still on our path of expansion. Um, a year ago, we now opened our U.S. office, so we're really growing in the U.S., um, making sure that, um, you know, our customers always have people on the ground because that's something that we very much believe in. You have to be reachable. That's why we, for example, do 24-hour support. So if you truly want to be customer-centric, then you cannot just sell that to our customers, but uh, you also have to be that yourself. So we're really working on that. Um, and the other thing that I find super exciting is the whole topic of machine learning. And there's so much more stuff that we can do. Now we predict when the parcel arrives, maybe in the future we can tell you whether the customer would be at home or whether they would prefer to have it on a different day and then organize that. And that's something we love to uh, to look at and we, we, we're really growing our teams there. And then last but not least, returns. I said it earlier, uh, we fixed outbound now, um, but I think returns is a huge opportunity in the market. So uh, we rolled out our own return solution making sure that, you know, the moment you track an outbound parcel in the same interface, you can actually return an item sustainably without the label already being in the package. Um, so these are for us like the key things we're currently driving. And, and, and you know what? And I think you have to, because like we said at the beginning of the podcast, there is competitive advantage in this type of innovation. Consumers are demanding it a lot more. So it, like you said, budgets are a lot tighter. Our personal budgets are a lot tighter. So when I'm going to make a decision as to whether or not I purchase a product. If I have that kind of confidence in, in my uh, last mile delivery, it will make a difference whether I buy the product or not, right? 100%, yeah. So uh, where would our listeners go if they wanted to listen to the Logistics Tribe podcast and find out more about the work you're doing at Parcel Perform? Well, obviously all the usual channels. If you go on Spotify, you can you can find us also, Apple Podcast, of course. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's a great channel to connect with people. So anyone that hears this, also feel free to reach out and let's get connected. Let's start talking. If anyone has an idea on what else we can do or has a merchant where they feel they need some support on track and trace or someone's looking for a job opportunity we're obviously still growing our teams across all offices uh, feel free to reach out um, but linkedin is usually the best channel and then of course our passive perform website if you want to learn, learn more about the business dana i want to thank you for being here i want to thank you for sharing your story and you know what i look forward to hearing a lot more from you so uh, uh, thanks for being on transform talks thank you very much for having me maria for those of you listening we'll catch you at the next one